street trash wastelands and here are your hosts long-time partners in slime adam obscene and mark and mark hello world this is wastelands i'm adam obscene and with me as always is the mighty mighty he's very mighty disrupt mark omar <laughs> hey adam listeners so good to be with you this evening Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. So, back by popular demand. Yeah, some people have been asking about this. Part two of the Kane Punk Chronicles. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the next part of the Disrupt Youth story. Uh, okay. Marco, I guess this is the bit where I sort of set the scene by asking you to explain something that has perplexed me about our time, our friendship, okay. and our punk punk days. Okay. Uh, so the last uh, disruptive episode, we sort of talked about the origin. We talked about like how and why and when you sort of formed the band and why you formed the band and who you chose to be in that band with you. Um, mm. Moving forward, mm. once the band had been established and you'd actually got a repertoire down and you were sort of like kicking yep. goals. Um, Sunny Coast was a pretty difficult place to play, find places to play, right, for a starting up band. Yeah, considering that at least half of us were under the age of 18, yes. So tell me right now and the Lossners what you did to remedy that. Okay. Um, did a kind of Ian Mackay um, sort of minor threat thing and put on our own shows at local community halls. Um, <clears throat> I'd been influenced by that from seeing uh, high school bands play um, at these halls in our sort of rural area. Um, and they were just small little community halls, <clears throat> we, town hall, I guess you'd call them. And um, you could rent them out for a party, for a a Bucks night, whatever. You know, they were just a really basic wooden hall. Colonial, almost speaking, right? Almost a colonial hall, yeah, with the kitchen area, you know, of varying sizes. and But but invariably, a picture, a portrait of Queen Elizabeth. So, Marco, just quickly on that. These halls were generally run by Ma-Rampa committees, like volunteer committees. Yeah. And Lossner, so that you can place this in on a put a pin in a map, we are kind of like talking about the Marucci sub hinterland. It's sort of like this golden triangle of these little towns called Dadilabar or Wumbai or Yudlo, which inevitably yep. each one of these railway towns or cane farm towns yep. had a central location. And they're not even towns, like literally, it's fields and a couple of houses and a town hall. Yeah, um, it's an intersection. Yeah, and the one that we're talking about first off is effectively an intersection in the middle of Kane country, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And just to sort of, uh, for those playing at home, just to skip back over and recap, uh, we come from the same area as the Chats and um, Powderfinger, those guys. And, Six foot hick, uh, if you're into that. What, what's that? Six foot hick. Yeah, and, um, and and the Sunshine Coast, north of Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. I had 
um, really enjoyed going to see these high school shows um, when I was younger, a couple of years younger. And I hadn't actually even, wasn't even really thinking in the realm of uh, playing at a, at a pub or a hotel or getting on the pub circuit. I hadn't even thought of that, really. It was what I really went straight for were the community hall uh, do-it-yourself all-ages shows. Um, even though I wasn't straight edge at the time, I really, I, re- I really liked Fugazi and I really liked Black Flag and I really liked their, you know, you'd, you'd hear the, the mythical stories by the time they got to us in, in Little Town, Australia, of them playing at, you know, um, veterans halls and community halls and, you know, roller skating rinks and where house parties, wherever they could turn up. So I just retraced my steps back to where I'd seen a couple of high school bands. And the first one that I chose uh, was the Didilla Bar Hall. Um, you'll see it in writing when this comes out, guys, but it's a bit of a funny thing to say. Didilla Bar Hall. Uh, and we set, I set up a date uh, to have a show there on Mar- in March 19, March 1995, sorry, Saturday, March 18th, 1995. There we go. And I called it Punk Party because uh, that's exactly what it was. And I wanted it to be an all-ages event. I had in my mind a kind of like, you know, DC kind of – you know, everyone's thrashing but having a great time, kind of punk rock show, really super inclusive. And uh, I appreciated uh, going, being able to go and see a band when I was underage a few years previously, so I thought I'd kind of pay it forward. And I was hoping that by putting on a show like this, fingers crossed it would go well and, you know, you would create a really good Saturday night and see some local bands for uh, kids that were maybe uh, too young or too too naive to know how to, to go and do that at the local pub. So, Marco, we both lived in Dubai at that time, right? We were... Yep. So, that's, so that's, you know, that's a... For us, it was, a, it was our own hood, but in saying that, being a regional community, it was a couple of Ks between houses, right? It wasn't just like around the corner. When I say we lived in Dillabar, yeah. Dillabar it, Road is like 15 kilometres long. Yeah, that's right. These aren't urban centres that we're talking about. These are um, small country towns. Hamlets. Uh, <laughs> hamlets that, are, that fall within a larger area called the Sunshine Coast, which is a very famous tourist destination now. What I loved is and, the, the, those areas, like that hall and our, our houses, were actually connected by ra- cane rail tracks. You could actually walk yeah. between our places along the cane yeah. tracks amongst yeah. the cane fields and dodge snakes. and Yeah, and that, like that. yeah that's right. That's right. With, yeah, this was a lot of this was all in the middle of cane fields and Um, uh, shows of their own, I don't know, in the middle of cornfields and wheat fields or, um, you know, something like that. I'm sure there's other iterations out there. And that's that just why, happened yeah. to be the sweetest of them all, Kane. And, and why we sort of sit on that that title of Kane Punk because of that very thing is yeah, the, the shows yeah. that were created 
We're in the middle of fucking cane fields. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I was, I was pretty young. Like I was trying to mastermind this, and I was pretty young. I was probably only about nineteen. And I was thinking, like, I thought things like, let's make it four dollars. I'm looking at the flyer in front of me now, which I created. Let's make it four dollars, so that I can give you. Well, uh, we can because there was definitely more than me involved. Um, so we can give you a dollar back from folding money, you know, like we wanted to be able to give people change from folding money. $4, man, like <clears throat> was, uh, it was not three, a lot to was ask. It three bands, three bands for four bands? Yeah, it was three bands. It was three bands. Michael, uh, before we jump into the actual gig, can you... Okay, uh, all right, all right. Direct me, me because I'll just go into it. I want to set the scene at actually how you scored the venue. What did you have to do to book the hall? Like, I probably had to uh, call the sign out the front. I can't quite remember, but I did have to go and have a face-to-face meeting with the old hippie lady who lived, you know, down a two-kilometer long driveway behind the hall itself. The hall manager. I did have, <laughs> yeah, the hall manager. I, I did have to go and um, talk with her. She was lovely, man. She was just the most lovely person. And I explained what I wanted to do, and she was all behind it. Uh, first, first, that was the first meeting. And then I went back uh, the second time, uh, closer to the day, and I grabbed the keys and gave her the deposit and security money. So from memory, that's all I had to do with them. I think I had to go back. Oh, gosh. You, consider, consider, guys, this was 1995. So uh, I, there, there's parts that really stick in my mind, and there's parts that have faded away a bit. And I guess returning the keys a third time must have happened. Or we left them in the in the um, locked in, <laughs> yeah, in the letterbox, locked in the letterbox. Yeah, why am I missing anything there? At? No, I just I just think it's interesting because you know we're talking pre-internet, so you know this literally is ring the number on the front of the yeah you know, front and, and probably uh, yeah from yeah a, from a phone yeah yeah sort of yeah. business so yeah. Make um, phone calls and go and speak to the people in person. Absolutely, that's no what this book, no was. Online that, booking forms. Oh no! This, no, this was there was no online booking forms. No, 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 no. There this was, was no internet. Um, this, Mark, Marco, this, can you remember this, how much it cost? I think it was about eighty dollars to secure the. No, hang on. Was that, that, now, hang on. There was more. There was more to the budget than just the hall, but I think it was eighty dollars. Yeah, because you had to bring in. PA and sound effects. Yeah, I hired in a um, a company that would bring in the lighting rig and PA and a mixer all in one. So I don't remember what the cost for that was. Call it call it a hundred and fifty, man. Call it two hundred, something like that. It's um, I think it's just like setting the scene, you know, like you know the 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 door the door cost is one thing and the number of bands, but yeah, I got ahead, but but. But I think it's important to state that, you know, 19-year-old dudes mm. basically doing it for themselves mm-hmm. had, to, had to pull the cash up. And, look, it doesn't sound like a lot now, but it was it was real money. It was money that had to be found, right, to, to pull this together. Yeah. And there was no – and it was driven from the need need to do it yourself and want to do it for others. That's so. right. Yeah, the drive was definitely there. So here's how I tackled the money part of it. So I had – I had a, a budget. It was a pretty simple budget, you know. It was the hall hire, and it was the um, PA and 
lighting rig and mixing all in one. And that was done through, you know, friend of a friend sort of deal. So what I – and tell me if I'm – guide me with these ads because I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole. Uh, I didn't have the money to, co- to cover it all at the time, uh, but I knew – uh, but I had the um, bands lined up. It was our band, Disrupt Youth, uh, another very close friend of ours band called Conspiracy. They were young, like this, that, they were a high school band. And Dry Heave, which we mentioned in our last Disrupt Youth um, podcast, uh, who was a, a, another high school band but were like just so amazing. They went on to play with Propagandy and all these huge bands. They, they were, um, I think, even Citizen Fish. They copped the show with. They were a very good band. And and uh, Marcus, uh, we, we were proud enough to have Marcus, who was the uh, guitarist and lead vocalist from Dry Heave, playing bass in our, in Disrupt Youth. So that was very cool. So I knew we had these three bands, and I knew how many members were in this band. It turned out that if I could get $50 each off of these band members, including myself, I'd be able to uh, cover the outlay, right? So, which, which I thought was pretty cheeky. Who does that now, man? So, I contacted each of the band members. Um, Disrupt Youth was no worries because it was my own band. Um, Dry He said yes. They all said yes really quickly, right? And they, none of the lads except for one who I think was just, you know, you're asking basically a teenage boy to come up with 50 bucks. In 1995, it was a bit of an ask. So I had one of them that through no fault of his own by the, by the day it needed to be paid, um, couldn't come up with his 50 bucks. And I think it either got into my hand at the very last minute or someone, sort someone just went, here's an extra 50 and, and, and it, and it came and it, it all came together completely. It was like, no, self-funded is almost like a collective, right? It's not, you know, like it wasn't a business. It was basically the bands all wanted to play and they everyone coughed up and it's sort of like that DIY collective like you're talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. That was, that, it's, it, it's, a, it's a really important point because it wasn't yeah. just about a promoter wanting to put shows on to fleece kids for cash. It was yeah. actually about bands wanting to play to an audience, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, let, let's okay. Let's talk. I'll talk, tell you about the money side of it because it was a, a successful part of the evening. Let's talk about the money part of it from front to back, and then you can ask me questions, answer away, because mm-hmm. this actually worked out really well. And, and like we were all uh, very surprised by this, so it worked out. Everybody, each band member of the three bands, gave me fifty dollars. I took that money and it was that worked out to be the exact money to pay for the people to to turn up and you know lighting sound mixing and hire the actual venue um but what I did Adam and you you probably remember this and I don't know if I would have the kahunis to do it now but I said to each band member you lend me $50 I will give you that $50 back plus I'll double it for each individual and then I will pay the band $150. So that was, I was promising to pay, re- reimburse their $50 mm-hmm. and double it mm-hmm. and pay their band $150 cash. Okay. So what's that? You know, quick sums, 
three. If you've got a four-piece band, you've already got to give them 400. Yeah. So I, I was promised each band 550. 550, as well as then, you know, the, the pay. Yeah, so, it's, so, it's a, so it was looking at uh, $4 a head and, getting, and needing to, to return back over two grand. Yeah. So I had that, – that was – I felt pretty confident about that actually at the time. So I promised each, each member, yeah, you give me 50, I'll give it back to you. I'll also double it and also pay your band, your garage band. You guys are like in high school. I will give you all as a group 150 bucks. Everyone said, yeah, man, no worries. So testament to that, you are able to achieve that, right? Yes. So this is, people always say, you know, these punk party gigs and like, and, you know, we say that they were really successful and folklore goes down that there was, it wasn't just a couple of hundred. There was, like, let's talk about how many kids actually turned up to this thing. It a was, lot. It was a lot. We're talking about a small community hall. More people paid than could actually get into that hall. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a very small venue. Um, so, with those facts in, in check, the amount of mm-hmm. money that was required to pay everyone back into cover costs, mm-hmm. the rough calculations are like... Uh, roughly around 600, 700 people paid. So, but that, you'll have to speak Six, up, man. 600 to 700 people paid. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and we that's, ca- yeah. And I guess the, the reason why I think that's in, interesting in footage, because like a lot of people will say, you know, when we say, oh, the, you know, six, 700 people paid, people mm. that turned up, because this is the other thing everyone's got to realize too, is that the hall was pumping. The park and the adjacent areas and properties oh, man. were full of people. Like, yeah, it literally, could have been close to a thousand kids. It, it was, yeah, it was like a Van Halen film clip car from nineteen eighty one. Yeah, it was a car park party, and people, yeah, go, so that's, people just go bullshit. Oh, there's no way you had, but we've got the evidence, mate, because the financials don't lie. Someone had to pay money to actually come in to pay everybody back, right? Well, look, I'll tell you how. I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's right, Ad. I'll tell you what happened. Everyone got paid. Everyone had fun. The, um, the, the people who, the professionals that we paid all got paid up front, cash. Um, they, the, uh, everybody w- that came, no one gave us any hassles at all. It felt very um, like a, a unified, very uni- united thing to do. No one came there no to one. fuck the place up yeah. or fight or stir any trouble. That was to come later. But this was a very positive thing front to back. I think the one, I think the one thing there, the own, and it's not even an only thing. It was just it, it paints a picture for the listeners too of the caring environment that was being fostered by you. Is there was so many kids there. There was it was so packed mm. that it was so packed. There was not really much diff, There was not much space between the front of the hall the lawn area and no. actual Dadilabar Road to the point where mm. I had to run down the road and call my old man. Mm-hmm. And he jumped mm-hmm. in his ute, came back up with his high vis and yeah. traffic control for like eight yeah. hours. Like, Amazing, Adam. Because because of the simple fact is there was just too many kids. Yeah, yeah. Because we had gone, I had created this flyer that had, that you pointed out the other day. I drew a map on it. Of exactly how to get to this we'll little post, community we'll post hall. That up on Insta, like, because that's oh, you did? That. Oh, cool. We'll, we'll put that up for this for this show. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, it, 
it, we went on a furious flyer um, campaign. Yeah. We gave flyers out to fucking everyone, man. We gave them out to everybody. We um we we put a few posters up around as well, but mainly it was just flyers. Boom, 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 flyers at other people's shows. Boom, 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 flyers, and it, it worked, man. We like to, you know that the the hackney saying the hackneyed thing. Um, no internet back then, you know. So if someone hands you a flyer, you're getting the you're getting some real time information. And they also knew how to get there, and they also knew it was BYO. So that instantly meant that you were going to get a lot of people there who, uh, who, who, who maybe you know want to make a bit of a party out of it. Don't want any hard, any hassles, you know. And so anyway, it worked. It was a car park, and it, it was great because it like it's not so. It didn't have a car park. It was basically cars. Imagine if you will, listeners, uh, Kingswoods and Falcons. And Datsuns all parked on the lawn in and around yeah. a community hall and people yeah. hanging out in, I think there might have been a playground next to it. And, you know, people just were setting up picnic rugs on the ground at like 8.30 oh. at night, just chilling and relaxing. And then, and then there was just a constant, very, uh, a very like almost all regimented way that people just were going, moderating mm. going in and out because there was only so mm. many people could get into the hall. Mm, so mm, that's understood right. that so people standing on the outside, standing close, and then as two people would leave, two would enter. It was very yeah, was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was Thunderdome: two two men enter, one man leave. Um, it, it went really well. Like even to the people there who who went at the time. Like to this day, I'm grateful for everybody that um that came along with that that sense of uh fun and with that sense of community and with that sense of being able to do something that was like uh important for them on a saturday night you know like because these guys were from high schools and people people that they were representing their high school you know what i mean so nobody wanted to fuck with that no. well i'll take you back around to the money again so you so we can move on yeah yeah you said you we had four dollars per head um, I ended up doing that. I gave each band member um, their 50 back, another 50, and then on top of that, paid the whole band 150 bucks. Um, and I did that to disrupt youth as well. But we also had left over, and, and guys, we weren't selling merchandise, we weren't selling anything. We only had four dollars. For $19.95 was the only revenue we were um, earning from that. And the money that was left over after we had paid everyone fucking amply was enough to um, go in and record our first album, the one that got released on Beer City Records. It paid for all the rehearsal time. It paid for the recording. It paid for the um, mixing and the mastering and um the music side of it it paid for all of that to to, to get a um a cut over to beer city to milwaukee so that was which the, was fantastic that was the self-titled seven inch yeah that's right that you did the artwork for that you actually paid me for did i pay you for that yeah, out of the money from the um, first punk party <laughs> oh god i've always i've always worried about that it's like hey, what do I, what do I no you no, you paid no, I, you, I think you i think you paid me like 100 bucks or something 
Oh, sweet, sweet. So everybody got paid, people, for $4. And it was a really, really good time. And I made so many good friends. I think actually everybody made really good friends that night. But I had a really good time making friends, especially with the bands. And I'll never forget the looks on their faces when I gave them the money. They were like, you fucking kidding me? Especially Bo from Conspiracy, who I had to meet down there, you know, in the the cold, harsh light of the next day. I'll bring your, your your money down, and to to give a teenage boy, you know, a, a, a fat what of fifties is a pretty good feeling. And Bo, if you're out there, man, you were um you went on to do so much for us in that scene for uh, young people in in um the Sunshine Coast as well, mate. And you've become a great member of the artistic community. So never forgot you either. And hats off to you. I think that's really important to say that this was a launch pad for, although um, the first punk party was inspired by previous, you know, hall parties from bands before that, is the punk party then became a catalyst point where, you know, a bunch of people, you know, a lot of people went to. Bo mm. particularly went on to do some great shows out at Udlo Showgrounds uh, called yeah, Primal yeah, Moves. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were great parties. That Great parties. You know, so... Um, <laughs> He and you know, so I think that that's just one example of how it's sort of the tendrils of doing something yeah. right, doing it for yourself, can actually have yeah. a long-lasting impact on it. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, do you want to? Do you want me to read? Would you indulge me, and I'll read a um, an article from the um, from the Brisbane Street Press about it, which kind of sums up everything we've said so far. Absolutely, and I love the fact that a little uh, punk party in the middle of the cane fields made it all the way to Brisbane Street Press too. Yeah, that was good. So this is from a street press magazine called Rave, and I guess it was from – I don't have a timestamp on it. I'm going to say it was probably August 1995. Uh, Anyway, our show, blah, 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 Saturday, March the 8th. You've got to sacrifice something. This is not my writing. This is written by Raylene Coburn. So, Raylene Coburn, if you're still out there, hope your journalism career went really well. And thank you for being at the show in 1995. So, here's what she wrote. You've got to sacrifice some things if you want to put on a gig independently. But to get a place where you can actually have some fun without Nazi bouncers or security wankers hassling you up here on the Sunshine Coast, you virtually have to do it all yourself. So that's what these guys did. They hired a tiny little wooden hall out in the sticks, did all their own advertising, etc., to have a night the way they wanted it, and I think they pulled it off. It was an all-ages gig with three local punk bands, so it said. So I thought I'd do the right thing and support the local scene. First on the cards was Dry Heave, great name, who started off a bit shaky, but the crowd didn't seem to care anyway. They, they were into it from the word go. They played kind of alternative punk. It wasn't absolutely full on, but it was good, even though more practice is needed, in my opinion. Uh, side note, they turned out to be fucking amazing. Anyway, <laughs> they, lacked, they lacked the necessary cohesion as a band, but to their credit, they did get better as they went on. Boy, they did. And they did the best with what they had to work with. Uh, they had a dazzling light display, i.e. one fluoro light, and it wasn't even on the blink, so no strobe effect, and only an overturned wooden bench for the crowd to stage dive off. And they did, damn it. They didn't care. They were having fun. Next up was Conspiracy, who weren't exactly punk, 
uh, more along the lines of alternative metal or something, but it didn't matter. They were a bit green as as well, not literally stupid, but hey, give them a few months. Still, they were quite good. Uh, they were quite quite good. The crowd got into them. It was getting wild up the front, and they were loud, so loud, in fact, that they managed to blow up half the speakers. True, and I think they were pretty proud of it too. Yes. So after a lengthy break, all had been fixed, and Conspiracy finished the rest of their set, including a few decent covers such as Nirvana's Rape Me. Uh, Rape Me. Okay. Sorry, there was a fold in the page. Excuse my reading tonight, guys. By the time Disruptive Youth came on, the crowd had thinned out a bit for some reason. Maybe it was a some reason maybe it was bedtime for some of the young'uns sorry but they should have stayed and risked your grounding they missed the best band definitely the most punk of the three they were fast furious and fucking loud with a good mix of originals and covers of black flag a little bit of black flag never hurt anyone on a saturday night said the lead singer and he was right they had the crowd rocking even the singer got into the stage diving action still performing while being supported by the appreciative pit. This, not, this night goes to show what you can do if you really want to. If no one can offer you what you want, get off your hairy butt and do it yourself. Didilabar Hall stood up to the test. Everyone had fun and no, nobody got hurt and nothing happened that couldn't be dealt with by the organisers. A success, more, more. Thanks, Raylene. That actually really captured it beautifully, didn't it? Like, yeah, it and actually, did. Rem- I re- it sort of um, I remembered a few things more. I haven't I haven't read that, you know, for probably a good twenty odd years. Um, having yeah, so read to it- me was like bedtime stories for punks. That was great, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting that um, the comments about dry heave and conspiracy, like this, is like some of their first ever shows. Mm, mm. Like literally, like the fact that that this happened is miraculous because where else would it, you know, short of a house party or, you know, which were mm. prevalent across the coast at the time. Yeah. Um, this was the first legitimate show that they would have played that was actually close to like a real gig, right? Yeah. And they probably never got paid that well again. No. Um, no, I keep, I keep talking about the money, but it was well, it's, such a, it's, it's a such fundamental a, thing, right? Like it's, you know, it was, it, it launch padded and catalyst a whole heap of stuff. Um, you know, dry heave went on to do some amazing things. Bo and the crew went on to do things oh. later on. I, 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 I side note, Bo and I, and our mate Callum, who ended up joining mutiny, we had a band called tractor brick that we oh, yeah. we've got like a, yeah. a, a tape and everything, a tape dude. Um, but yeah, okay, dude. it was us up in Ilkley bashing away, playing weird industrial punk noise. Yeah. Um, but I think Gotta it's, love it. it's, it's, you know, there was this sort of really great hinterland cane punk sort of vibe. And I think that, you know, it was, we it moved on and things happened, you know, other parties happened and other people did other things. But for me, punk party one is really the, is the one that we just, need to get down and record because mm-hmm. like i said it, the tendrils of that catalyst event you know mm. are far reaching from yep. me deciding to do a fanzine to the bands that were involved on going to become the core central lineups to gigs in and around the, the sunny coast 
sure. um, disrupt youth recording the first seven inch and getting a deal with B City Records. Like there's so much stuff in there from a little yeah, yeah, yeah. tight knit community that yep. sort of like that gig was the one that sort of I think even Brisbane players, you know, went, yeah. hang on a second, something's happening up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think people took up well, I think that was because of the article that I just read out ads. That was from the Brisbane Street Press uh um that was re- released just down there. Uh, yeah, definitely by the time uh Disrupt Youth relocated to Brisbane, which is for another day, uh we were um we were bookable already, you know, and we were uh well rehearsed, so um we were we were pretty confident to uh go and start playing in the big smoke. I think too, but, um, if without internet too, a thousand people at a show, the power of that word of mouth is mm, massive, mate. Yeah, it's For massive. a small community, you know, punk scene, mm-hmm. have that many people at a non-promoter event that was by and large fun and mm-hmm. represented what the scene was about at the time, that f- goes down in folklore. And and we're really interesting to see the spark up of memories from this podcast from the Lossner group to sort of yeah. – I really encourage the Lossners to, like, get in contact with us. And if you've got side stories about what you did or if you attended or your perspective, because there's lots of different views about oh, what look. went on, we want to hear about it. And, you know, because I think that this is all part of what the Kane Punk Pro- Chronicles is about. It's oh, about absolutely. Individual stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a really busy night for me. Um, I, I remember I probably um, – I probably should have kept more of a sober head, but that was part of the fun of it as well. Um, but it was a really busy night for me. So uh, thinking back, I'm just, I, I can only imagine how much I missed out on because I, it was just event management. I was managing that event. So, um, and playing in it and, um, you know, make, and, and uh, yeah. So I, I'd, I'd love for, yeah, anyone on um, social media who wants to reach out and say hi. Um, I hope we gave you a good Saturday night back in 1995. Uh, like Josh Homme says, it's a night you'll never remember. And, um, yeah, it was a great time. And actually, thanks to everyone who was there. If you still remember it and you had, you had a great night, um, thank you for that. You, you, you gave us a good Saturday night back in the 90s as well. So, mate, that's, 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 and look, it's perfect. Like, if anyone has recollections like photos even like we don't have photos from that gig I'm pretty no sure. we don't we were so busy man so we busy. were so you, busy you were in the inside events managing somehow i, oh, became, no, yeah. I became self-managed outside event manager <laughs> yeah yeah um, i don't think yeah. we saw each other until the end of the night not till the very end of the night and we were knackered and drunk we, we don't i don't think we even had any actual downtime ads no. i think we were just like on on stop like lay down in the you know lay down in the swag for a while get back up and then you know kick out anyone who didn't want to hang around and everybody else get to work cleaning up one of my cleanest memories of that gig is us sitting in the park it must have been early hours of the morning the dew was starting to form on the grass oh it's fucking cold it was cold and we were just, and and I can just remember the moon shining through the palm, the pine trees, and just us sitting down after everyone had gone, going, "Well, that was huge." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. But, but it was, but but 
it was huge, but I don't think we actually realized how huge it was until the aftermath. Uh, like once no, you start to no. count the the coins. Yeah. With such youthful enthusiasm for what we were doing back then, Ad, we probably hadn't eaten since breakfast, and it was probably like four o'clock the next morning, and we probably we were probably running on pure nicotine and Bundaberg rum by then, surely. Absolutely, it would have been it would have been the good stuff. Um, and you know, mate, look, I, I I don't think we actually have. You know, we've done a lot of gigs since. You know, oh yeah, and yes. we've done different shows in different places, university gigs, Wombai Hall gigs, um, been involved in shows organised by the punks. Sure. For me, I don't think that there was one that it was ever as big as that first punk party. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I put it down to, Adam? I, I put it down to it, it's really the people, it's really the audience. I mean, the the us, the uh, event organisers, and the uh, band, and the musicians that came along to play, we were outnumbered by many, many fold of the people who actually came. Came, you know, mm. and the people that came, it was it was their night. They they identified with with it. That was their night, and uh, it wasn't for us. We we didn't need to do any crowd control. This this was for them. They like, s- and they self managed, right? And this is the thing: is the vibe was good. People were in there. They were there for a good time, and I think people appreciated the fact because there was nothing to do for if you were underage underage punker, on, you know, or even an underage kid who was just interested in music for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's and, right. And they appreciated it. That like I said. We did this solidly for about between 95 through to probably late 97. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were pretty constant in doing stuff with shows mm-hmm. and taking over yeah. radio stations and all this other stuff, which we'll talk about in later episodes. But yeah. you know, it was really the perfect storm of not much going on. There was a reason why it happened from a band's perspective, but, mm-hmm. but the need for it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there was the bands to play. There was such a huge need for it because things outside of our world were affecting our little world. You, you had grunge broke in the early nineties. Um, you you had uh, shit. Even band, like I'm trying to think of like what was popular with high school kids at the time. Green Day had just released Dookie. The Ramones, I think, had. Um, were releasing, oh, so the Mondo Bizarro or Acid Eaters. Anyway, the Ramones were up there as well, um, Soundgarden. So you had a lot of rock bands, like heavy rock bands, making it huge in other parts of the world. And, you know, you, it, it, oh, the Seattle scene, that's so fantastic, you know, and the London right, yeah. scene. And the Berlin scene, that's fucking fantastic. Like, let's read about it in, like, NME. That, that's fucking amazing. Imagine if that was here. You, you know, just dream about it. So if you can have, and I'm not talking about this thing that we did being at any, any level of that at all. This was in a country, country town hall. People respected and preserved it as just a good Saturday night out because it was their chance to go and see some rock and roll. A show had been, like, I don't want to say tailor-made, a show had been put on for people to go to, not the other way around, Mm. you know? Mm. And if you you go, even now, 
I'll tell you now, the secret is if you, if you're someone out there who's listening to this and wants to put on events, try and do as much all ages shows as you possibly can and do it all with a good heart, do it with all the right, the right intentions, which is to give someone else, a younger person, a good, safe Saturday night out without risking street cred or anything. You can street cred the shit out of that. Have the fucking exploited come and play as far as I'm concerned, but approach the event with a good heart and that you mean to give them a good Saturday night that they'll, they'll remember for a few years to come. True words are never spoken. And to that, what I learnt from the first punk party, not being directly involved in putting it on as much as like you guys were, but involved in viewing and helping out on the night, a lot mm. of the things I learnt from that, I went on to probably deliver in excess of 500, 600 all-ages shows on the Gold, on the Sunshine Coast between Man. 97 through to, you know, the, the mid mid 2000s so yeah um huge you know even to the point where we set up a all ages hardcore venue in the black box at the ambulance station in nambour which is only yeah, just sure. a couple of clicks away so yeah um i saw a couple of great shows there so man look i think we've um i think that this is a really nice way to wrap this back around like i think we've 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 really dug in deep and and unpacked the first punk party and given it the the oxygen that it required to sort of sure. like fill in where we were at at the time and what it's meant moving forward as much as it being the came punk chronicles it's origin stories for you and i as well so yeah and, and it's not something that you and i walk around with in our back pocket going yeah that was reliving the the past this this is um it actually takes you know, we're, others we're not, to we're not, ask us about it. That really, and this is really the main the main perpetrator. of This is Borgie from Bad. Oh, no, okay, yeah, Borgie was there goes, too. More disrupt you stuff, please. And look, Borgie, yeah. you know, he would yeah. go like he's doing the yards now in Nambour. He's like in in he the is. area where we grew up, um, doing it and doing some great stuff. But look, we'll keep on as if you keep if you keep asking for it, people. You know, listeners will keep on talking about it, but um, yeah, but there's heaps more. There's heaps more to this timeline that we did, and we'll keep on uh, popping these ones up as we go. But right now, look, I guess let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. If you want to get in contact with us, jump on the socials at Wastelands Radio Show uh, or Wastelands RS on Twitter. We're on tiktok we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on the gmail so wastelands radio show at gmail.com send us one of those old-fashioned emails or go to wastelands.com.au uh marco yes sir thank you so much for um you know unpacking that with me uh we are coming up to our hundredth show Lostness, hmm. let us know what you want to see in the next season our hundredth show will also land on the same date it's our uh, three-year anniversary. So, love that we're doing well. All right, mate. Uh, let's 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 tie this one up and uh, move on. So, is there anything more you would like to add? Good night for me, and it's good night from him. Before you-
dare you say another word. It's over! It's finished! Like, oh, oh, like this.